There is nothing bigger in the world of nutrition and health at the moment than the gut microbiota. With potential far-reaching health implications, one of the best ways to keep your gut microbes happy is to feed them well. In today's podcast, I'll look at some of the health areas being linked to the gut microbiota and then explore in greater depth one area, which is that of body weight regulation as the focus for today's podcast. And then I'll drill down into letting you know the types of foods and nutrients that feed your gut microbes best. Welcome to the Thinking Nutrition Podcast. My name is Tim Crow, and I'm a career researcher, educator, and science communicator with most of this spent in the field of nutrition. How do you make sense of so much conflicting information in the field of nutrition? While I don't profess to have all the answers in an area that is continually changing as research changes, you can count on what is covered in this podcast to be based on the whole field of nutrition science, not just selective areas that support a particular way of thinking. And this podcast will always be free from any commercial product tie-ins, endorsements, or advertisements, just credible nutrition science presented in plain and simple language, and then translating this into what it means for your health. So on with today's show. The gut microbiota is the hottest of hot research fields today. The microbes that inhabit our intestines are more than just passive freeloaders living off the food we eat. With a thriving mix of beneficial bacteria, our gut microbiota can keep us healthy. Your gut microbiota is a complex system made up of your resident bacteria, viruses, and other microbes that have colonized your gastrointestinal tract. You also may sometimes hear the term gut microbiome used. The microbiome is all of the genes inside the microbial cells, which create the microbiota. The two terms of microbiota and microbiome are often used to mean the same thing. One third of our gut microbiota is common to most people, while two thirds are specific to each one of us. That makes our gut microbiota as unique as our fingerprints, and that difference can potentially have a profound impact on your health. You are what you eat, and so are the bacteria that live in your gut. The different strains of bacteria change depending on the types of food you eat. We have some way to go to know what the perfect diet may be for gut health, but it will likely be very individual. With a well-fed microbe population, then it opens up the door to improved health. Immunity, mental health, heart disease, diabetes, chronic inflammation and even body weight make up the fascinating areas covered in the ever-growing research field of the gut microbiota. They are all though far too many topics to cover in one single podcast, so what I'll do today is just go into a bit more depth on one of them. And for today, the topic is body weight. But don't worry, you'll be hearing me dip into, into and out of many of the topic areas of the gut microbiome and its health implications in many future podcasts. The implications are just that profound. But also, it is one area where hype can lead science. So I'll keep you updated on that second front of scientific evidence for sure. So what about gut microbes and body weight, you say? 
the spotlight on what influences our weight usually focuses on a poor diet, sedentary lifestyle, and the genetic cards you were dealt at birth. But as evidence continues to snowball, we should also be looking further inside us at our gut microbes. New evidence finds that gut bacteria can alter the way we store fat, balance levels of glucose in the blood, and even how we respond to hormones that make us feel hungry or full. So that is a lot of things linked in here. An early clue that gut microbes might play a role in obesity came from studies comparing intestinal bacteria in obese and lean twins. Lean twins have a more varied ecosystem of gut microbes compared to an obese twin sibling. The twin studies make fascinating observations but don't prove that it is the gut bacteria that are the cause of the weight difference between the twins. But the twin studies illustrate how complex a condition obesity is. Genetics and early life colonization by bacteria only explain part of it. Diet can affect the mix of gut bacteria. With a highly processed diet, low in food variety and fiber, translating into less diversity of gut microbes. From the human twin studies, the next move was to manipulate the gut bacteria of mice to see if body weight changes would follow. Identical mice inoculated with microbes from human, obese, and thin twins served as the model here. Mice inoculated with bacteria from an obese human twin gained more weight and had a less diverse community of microbes compared to mice inoculated with bacteria from the thin twin. So how could microbes affect our weight? One plausible mechanism is by altering our appetite. A French research team found that microbes make hormones involved in appetite regulation just 20 minutes after being given nutrients. Giving these appetite hormones to mice saw them eat less food. It is no coincidence that the 20-minute mark after a meal is around the time it takes for a person to start feeling full. Eating slowly makes for sage advice so that gut microbes can ramp up production of appetite hormones, meaning, hopefully, you'll stop eating earlier. The research field is moving rapidly though, with clinical trials now up and running to transplant freeze-dried bacteria from the feces, called a fecal microbial transplant. And these transplants are occurring when microbes are, tra are transplanted from a lean and healthy donor into volunteers as a weight loss treatment. It's probably not the most pleasant treatment that you can imagine, but there's good evidence that these microbes are good for the microbiome inside our gut, and that may have some benefits for weight loss. So I guess we'll see how these studies pan out in the future. But in fact, in May 2019, it was reported at a conference that using capsules filled with fecal matter from a lean donor Researchers from Brigham and Women's Hospital in Boston successfully changed some of the composition of the gut microbiota of people with obesity. The pilot study included 22 people with obesity, but did not have any other health issue commonly associated with obesity, such as diabetes or liver disease. 
During the 12-week study, half of the people took capsules containing fecal matter from a lean donor, while the rest took identical-looking placebo capsules. And it was those taking the bacteria from the donor that saw a change in the colonization pattern in their gut. So I'll link to a report about this conference presentation in the show notes. Losing weight is actually pretty easy. It is the keeping it off long-term that is really the hardest part and why most diets fail in the end. It may be that gut microbes could be playing a part here too in weight rebound. Using a yo-yo dieting model in lab mice, scientists have found that yo-yo dieting mice had less diversity in their gut microbes compared to mice eating normally. They also regained weight more rapidly. The changes in the gut microbiome brought about by obesity in the mice stayed put for far longer than the time they actually spent dieting. This could explain why it is so hard to lose weight when you try your next diet. Your gut microbes are still reeling from the effects of the last diet you are on. So take a guess what happened when normal weight mice received microbes from yo-yo dieting mice. Yes, they gained weight. These inoculated mice also digested fiber less efficiently. Fewer beneficial byproducts were made from a class of plant chemicals called polyphenols. Polyphenols can act as a prebiotic, increasing the number of healthy bacteria in the gut. Fruits, vegetables, dark chocolate and tea are all good sources of polyphenols and make great food for our gut microbiome. So in my last podcast, I covered the world of fermented foods as a probiotic. So the big question is, can taking a probiotic supplement help with weight loss? And the answer appears to be yes, at least according to a systematic review and meta-analysis of clinical trials. So a systematic review and meta-analysis is when researchers collect all of the available evidence in a particular field using very strict criteria, they analyze the data systematically, and they combine them all together in a lot, as part of a large statistical analysis to get a really good feel for how much of a benefit may lie in a particular area when you take all of the research into account, rather than just cherry pick particular research studies that support your particular way of thinking. So in this review, 25 randomized controlled trials involving close to 2,000 people were analyzed. The trials were made up of a mixture of healthy adults, people with type 2 diabetes, people with high cholesterol or hypertension, and people with non-alcoholic fatty liver disease. Most of the people were overweight or obese at the start of the studies. And full study details of this research are in the show notes. Now, all trials in the meta-analyses included both a group receiving either one or a combination of several probiotic supplements, while the other group received a placebo. What happened? Well, the difference in weight loss between the two groups was in favor of people taking a probiotic supplement with an additional half a kilogram lost. This weight loss was on top of any weight loss they achieved from the lifestyle changes they were also making that the other placebo group were also doing too. Half a kilogram may not seem like a lot, but it represented additional weight lost compared to any other diet 
or physical changes that people were making. Digging a bit deeper, it seemed that the trials that used multiple strains of probiotics gave a greater weight loss benefit. And the longer the study ran for, the more likely that weight loss happened. Because so many different strains of probiotics were used, it is not possible to narrow in on which protocol may work best for weight loss. A probiotic supplement or food is not some magical panacea for obesity, but the findings from this latest review give some validity to the theory that our gut microbes have some sway in controlling what we eat and how we regulate our weight. There are too many overhyped, ineffective weight loss supplements that fill shelves, but at least for probiotics, the case for their use has some small amount of validity. So getting back to the main theme of today's podcast, and that's food and how it affects the makeup of the gut microbiota. Perhaps not too surprisingly, the dietary pattern linked most to an adverse change in bacterial species is the highly refined typical Western diet, high in sugar and low in dietary fiber. The good news is that a shift to a healthier diet can change the bacterial mix in just a few short days. A study from 2015 provides insight into just how quickly fast food can trigger biological changes. It involved African Americans who swapped their meat-heavy highly processed diet for a diet typical of African foods, rich in beans and vegetables. And they saw a positive change in their gut microbes within two short weeks. And the reverse swap that saw rural Africans switch to a typical American diet gave them a microbe profile that was more in line with a higher risk of colon cancer. Another study of 10 individuals who were assigned either a plant-based or an animal-based diet also recorded dramatic changes in their gut microbe profiles after just five days on their new diet. And grab both of these studies that I mentioned in the show notes. So these research studies are important because they show that diet has the ability to quickly shift the type of bacteria in your gut. However, it's important to note that in most cases, the gut microbiome returned to baseline after the studies ended, highlighting that you need to consistently eat a healthy diet to make lasting changes to your gut bacteria. Treat it like a challenge to start with, but know that the health benefits remain so long as you stick to the better food choices. To do this, approach it as a long-term game where you make small changes and healthy food swaps over many weeks to months to make the changes sustainable. Something as simple as eating two pieces of fruit each day and choosing whole grain foods over refined grains is a great way to start. Then look at adding in more of the variety of prebiotic foods available to us. So now into a few more specifics of just what are the gut healthy foods, because if you look after your gut microbes, they will look after you. And to do that, you want to feed them the right food. And with 100 trillion bacterial cells in our gut, that's a lot of mouths to feed. The bacteria in our gut play an important part in our health, and it is prebiotics that is the food that they thrive on. Prebiotics act as a fuel to enhance the growth or activity of beneficial bacteria such as bifidobacteria and lactobacillus. 
Some other benefits of prebiotics include improvements in gut barrier function, immunity, and even regularity of bowel movements. Prebiotics can help reduce the amount of potentially damaging bacteria in the gut by altering the pH, making it less of a hospitable place for the more harmful bacteria. With more beneficial probiotic bacteria in the gut, they release more beneficial byproducts called short-chain fatty acids. These fatty acids are linked to a range of health benefits, including lowering the pH in the bowel, improving the bioavailability of calcium and magnesium, and inhibition of potentially harmful bacteria. To keep your gut ecosystem thriving, aim to eat more foods high in different types of fiber, including soluble and insoluble fiber, as well as resistant starch. Fiber is nourishment for gut bacteria, and you will find it in an array of everyday foods. The simple advice is to eat a wide variety of nutritious whole foods from all food groups, which would naturally contain different types of fiber. Some of the key prebiotic foods include aromatic vegetables, such as onions, garlic, leeks, celery, and Jerusalem artichokes. These are high in a type of carbohydrate called inulin, which bacteria use to promote healthy colon cells and other health benefits. And inulin is one of the best studied prebiotic foods. Barley and oats are a rich source of soluble fiber and beta-glucan. Beta-glucan acts as food for your gut bacteria and helps lower cholesterol levels. Then we have starchy foods such as cooked potatoes, beans and lentils, as well as green bananas, and they are all a great fuel source for gut bacteria. These foods are high in something called resistant starch. Now, most of the starch we eat is easily digested and absorbed by the body, but there are some forms of starch that are resistant to digestive attack and pass through to the large intestine. Once there, the resistant starch is broken down and fermented by bacteria. The result of resistant starch fermentation is a range of health benefits, such as a mild laxative effect and encouraging the growth of healthy bacteria. Taking a much broader view, the key theme of healthy, long-lived communities around the world is a diet high in predominantly plant-based foods. Across the spectrum, a Mediterranean-style diet gets top marks as a healthy, balanced diet. It is distinguished by a beneficial fatty acid profile that is rich in both monounsaturated and polyunsaturated fatty acids. It's also high in polyphenols and other antioxidants, as well as containing a high amount of fiber and lots of other beneficial plant-based foods. The Mediterranean dietary pattern is one that stands out for the variety of foods eaten and ticks most of the boxes for a microbe-friendly diet. Legumes, fruits, whole grains, olive oil, yogurt, nuts, seeds and vegetables are a feast for your gut microbes. Understanding the health implications of the gut microbiota is very much at an early stage, but it seems so many health areas are pointing to the gut at least playing some small role. The practical implications of the gut microbiota research field, though, boil down to some pretty simple basics. Eat a variety of minimally processed plant-based foods, high in fiber, and move away from the ultra-processed foods that are overrepresented in the Western diet. 
So that's it for today's show. You can find the show notes either in the app you're listening to this podcast on if it supports it or else head over to my webpage at thinkingnutrition.com.au and click on the podcast section to find this episode to read the show notes. If you find this podcast of value, then please consider sharing it with your friends and colleagues or maybe even leave a review. This all helps increase the ranking and reach of the podcast, which means a big win for credible, evidence-based nutrition messages while helping to dilute out the crazy and making the world a slightly less confusing place. I'm Tim Crow, and you've been listening to Thinking Nutrition. Thinking Nutrition.